Welcome to the sermon podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To learn more, visit TimberlakeChurch.org. Now get ready for today's message, which we hope will be inspiring as well as challenging. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. All right, all right. We're here. We're here. I hope you have ears to hear this morning, and uh, you're ready. You have to. You have to listen fast. I'm going to try to talk fast uh, because we have a lot. Uh, we have a lot to say this morning. And thankfully, I, I just drank a big sip of coffee, and I'm 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 amped up. I'm ready to go uh, as we uh, think about faith in real life. Uh, I was reading this week that. Um, if you, uh, the average 70-year-old, the average 70-year-old will have worked, on average, 20 years uh, of their life will have been spent working at a job, which is quite a significant amount of time. 20 uh, entire years of your life by the time you're 70 years old will have, been, will have been spent working. And so this is obviously essential that we understand how to do this well and how it is that we work, godly work, in a way that that uh, actually actually honors God. And so this morning, this is our text in, in Colossians chapter 3. So I want to give a little bit of background, a little bit of background to Colossians so that we understand where, where we're going and where we find these verses that have just been read for us. Romans, or from Colossians chapter 3, uh, Paul is making a, an interesting uh, argument here, and he begins by telling the church there, the church at Colossians, uh, the Colossian church, he says, put off, put off the old man. We find it in verses 5 to 11, chapter 3, put off the old man, put off all the, the deeds of the flesh. And then he says in verse uh, 11 to 17, he says, put on, essentially put on the character of Christ. And so this is the, the dynamic we're, we're talking about, how it is that we live our lives in such a way that the gospel the gospel of Christ changes us, and we've put on, if you remember famously, uh, Paul says, Ab- above all, put on love. Above all, put on love. And so this is, this is us changing our, our character such that we are like Christ. We've put off the old man. We've put on the new man. And that essentially will change the way that we relate to one another in relationships. So Paul then begins to talk about how the gospel changes the relationship of husband and wife. That's essential. And then the relationship of parent to child, that relationship. And then Paul brings up this rather awkward uh, relationship of slaves to masters. And so we may as well just get the cat out of the bag here and, and affirm that clearly God's word does not, uh, does not endorse slavery. Uh, indeed, God's word says a lot uh, about it, but not necessarily directly. And, and, and God's not for any injustice. God is, is not for any injustice of any sort. But by God's grace, we have Paul here addressing injustice and framing what we can take out of this context here things about how we should submit ourselves to authorities above us, in this case, uh, masters, but for us, um, our boss, 
or whatever it is, the thing that God has called you uh, to do. And so this morning, we're going to look at this uh, and try to apply it to us. By God's grace, Paul spoke to a church that was made up of slaves, talking about real life. This was real life in Paul's day. A lot of people in that church were slaves, and Paul is addressing them again. I trust that this morning uh, we're going to get something out of applying what we can learn from this passage here as we, as, we, um, as we move forward this morning. Obey your masters. That's the principal command. The principal command here in this passage around which the rest of the passage kind of structures is obey your master. Slaves, obey your masters. And what we're going to look at today is four, uh, as it were, things that, that, that help to inform what it means to obey your masters. We're going to call it the, the how and whys of godly work. The how and whys of godly work. So are you ready this morning? Are you ready? Okay, put you again. You're going to have to listen fast. I'm going to talk fast uh, because I'm not going to run out of time today. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to do this uh, right now. So again, four qualifiers to this command, how it is uh, that we should obey our masters. Four qualifiers. Number one, work not, work not as men pleasers, but work as God fearers. Work not as men pleasers but work as God fears. Notice the verse, verse 22. Slaves, in all things, here's the command, obey those who are your masters on earth, not merely, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. It's interesting that that term there, not with external service, is only found two times in the New Testament here, the New American Standard is translating it in such a way, not, not uh, in this case, as the New American Standard says it, not with external service, but the English Standard Version translates it this way, not by way of eye service, which is a way of saying that we should work in a way so as not to just be seen and not so that your boss is, is looking at you. It's not the goal is just to work when people are, no, people are looking so that we work only to be noticed. So Paul says something, it seems to me, rather uh, very practical. Work in a way that is not just to be seen by men. Not just to be seen by men. That's how we do godly work. So we do it not to impress others. And the real question is today, do you work to honor God and to work for others, or do you do it to impress others? And so to use the, the modern sort of vernacular here, I think Paul's saying something like this, if we had to translate it in modern, uh, in, in, in modern speak. Don't work so as to be a brown noser. How many have ever brown nosed before? Uh, it's okay if you've, how many have known somebody that's been a brown noser? Yeah, you know, the guy that, that uh, in class, uh, he's like, answer, wants to answer all the questions. Um, actually, that was me. I remember, I always raised my hand trying to answer the questions. Don't be a brown noser in your work. Um, listen, nobody likes brown nosers, but God certainly is not impressed. 
God is certainly not impressed by a heart motive that says, I'm only doing things to be noticed. And Paul's very clear here. Don't do things to be noticed. Do things in such a way that is not to please men. But, he says, do it with sincerity of heart. This is the contrast here. Do it sincerely, which is a way of saying, don't do it, don't do it, do it sincerely, not hypocritically. Do your work in earnest because you value the work, not because you value how it is that you're perceived by others. Do it in such a way, do your work in a way that actually honors God. Do it in a way with sincerity, not hypocritically. But do so, Paul closes the verse, fearing the Lord. Do your work fearing the Lord. I always struggle with this, uh, the idea that oh, I'm so scared. I've, I've, got to do, I've got to do the work. I've got to do this work as unto the Lord uh, because if not, God's going to strike me down. It's, it's not that kind of fear. It's not a fear of God's going to strike me down. It's a fear of, Lord, I want to do this work as unto you because I want to please you. It's a fear of not pleasing the Lord. Lord, I want to do my work faithfully because I want to make certain that I don't displease God with what I'm doing. So number one, work not as men pleasers, but God fearers. Number two, work, work with all your heart. Work with all your heart. Is everybody still here? Uh, work with all your heart. This, this, this term here is interesting because unlike verse 22, which was, um, you know, do it, do it with sincerity of heart, which is actually the word heart here. Here in verse 23, it's not the word heart that, that the, the translator is translating heart. It's really the word soul or psyche. Do it with work in such a way that you put all of yourself into it. That's what honors God. You see, God does not uh, care so much about the thing that you're doing. It's not as though, as Pastor Brad's made really clear, that God looks at you because, or God looks at me because I'm a pastor, and he's like, oh, Jesse's really doing a great job because he's a pastor. I really honor him because of the nature of his work or, or missionaries. God's not so much concerned about the nature of your work as he is about the heartbeat of your work. That's what honors God. God's not honored by what we do, but how we do it. And so I, I, th I think about this um, often, uh, and particularly this time of year, this season in September, because uh, the kids, not so much now, but more so when they were younger, they would begin to complain as school got around, and they started gearing you know, two weeks into school, and they're like, I, I hate school. Uh, how, many have had, how many parents in here understand what I'm talking about? Uh, something like, I hate school, I don't, I don't like school, I don't like my, my teacher, uh, or something like that. And, and, and here's the thing, whatever else is true, uh, it's nothing. Because you might say, Jesse, you don't understand, I want to work, work with all, all my heart, absolutely. Uh, but you don't understand, my boss, my boss is awful, or uh, my job is terrible. And it was totally subconscious there that I just looked at Brad. 
it was, it was absolutely did not notice, because I, I, I love my, my boss, amen, uh, absolutely not, 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 not thinking about Brad at all, but you, you and your work, you and your work, and you're like, I, I don't like it, listen, whatever, however bad it is, it's not as bad as the indignity of being a slave. Imagine the indignity of not having uh, rights over what you do, how you do it, when you do it. And Paul is speaking into a culture where people didn't have a choice. They had to do whatever they were told because they were owned. And in that world, in that world, Paul is still saying, do it with all of your heart. So children, so we tell our kids, your ministry, your principal ministry is school. Your principal ministry is school. That is where God is calling you to honor him. And if they can't honor God and learn how to honor God in school, then they'll never honor God with their job. They get 12 years of learning how to do their best in school. I know the kids aren't happy about this message, uh, but uh, alas, some of us have never learned how to honor God with our life, with our jobs. You didn't do it at school, and you don't do it at work. God's Word's calling us to something bigger. I remember when I was um, in seminary, I would work at, uh, this is one of my favorite restaurants, I worked at the Olive Garden. And how many like the Olive Garden? Amen. Amen. And I loved that job. I worked, it was in Birmingham, Alabama, and I went home for the, from Lynchburg, I went back home to, to Birmingham, and I worked at the Olive Garden. I loved it. It's one of my favorite jobs ever, except for this one. And, uh, <laughs> and but I love that job. I, I, I love the Olive Garden. I love the mint. I love everything about it. And uh, I ate so many mints uh, working at the Olive Garden. Uh, so I, I would work. But I tell you, this true story, I hated working on Sundays. I hated it. Because church people went to Olive Garden on Sundays, and they are, as you might know, the worst tippers. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I hated it. I hated it so bad working, at the, working uh, on those days. And so did every other uh, waiter and waitress, and uh, I just want to encourage you, if you're going to go out to eat on Sundays uh, and you're not going to tip well, change clothes, that look like the world, and then go uh, to eat, but don't look like you just left church and leave a bad tip. Okay, that honestly um, bugs me. Uh, so I remember... I. Re- I am just part, in part kidding, but the other part I'm not. You ought, we ought to be good stewards of, of tipping. I remember that uh, I would get run ragged uh, because they would order soup, salad, and water. Um, and and uh, soup, salad, breadsticks, and water. And I'm running, getting the fifth bowl of pasta fajol, uh, and I'm getting the salad the, for the fourth time, and my third refill on water, $10, $10 uh, um, a tab, and they leave you a dollar. And listen, if you're going to ask your waiter to take 15 trips to the kitchen back and forth, a dollar's not enough, even if it's 15%. And I hated it. And now, looking... In hindsight, I thought, well, wouldn't it have been better if I had just done it as unto the Lord and left the rest up to him? 
Whatever, whatever tip I'm going to do, I'm not working for the tip. I'm not working for others. Ultimately, I'm doing it with all my heart as unto the Lord. That's a better way to approach it. And, and I, I think that this is true in general. Uh, because you may hate your job, or you may hate the circumstances of your life. And again, we're not talking about just job. This is vocation. This is what God's calling you to do in your everyday. Essentially, well, what is that? As I, as I see it, it's what you're doing when you're not resting, which is essentially everything. God worked for six days, and then he rested a seventh. So whatever you, whenever you're not resting, however you want to define that, that's work. Listen, when you do that, when you work, when you're, when you're doing what God wants you to do, even if you don't like it, know this. God is never going to bless you anywhere other than where you are. And that's the only place God will ever bless you. And I find it like when we're going through the difficult time, the most difficult time in your life, and you are trying as hard as you can to get, and you're praying, God, get me out of this. Listen, listen, why don't you just rest in it and learn to grow in it and know that that place is exactly where God means to meet you and bless you. And we're trying really hard to get out of it. God's not going to bless you over there. He wants to bless you here. Just know this. God's not going to bless you anywhere other than where you actually are. That's real life. That's real life. And so this morning, then, do your work in such a way so as not to be a man pleaser, but a God fearer. Do your work in such a way that you do it as unto the Lord with all of your heart and rest in it. Rest in that work. Number three, work. Work because Work because you have a heavenly reward. Work because you have a heavenly reward. Notice, notice Paul, verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. And what strikes me is it should strike you that slaves in Paul's day had very little hope of getting a fair wage, let alone of getting an inheritance. But in God's economy, he honors the faithful. And in God's economy, there is a reward beyond the job that you're doing, but you're not working for the man, and you're not working for your paycheck. Your real paycheck is to honor God in such a way that one day you get a divine inheritance, and that inheritance is forever. And by the way, that inheritance is life with Christ, apart from the sin nature that that. Uh, that causes us to stumble every day. We're not, one day, we're not going to have uh, the, the hindrances of our, of our body, of our, of our sin nature. We will be able to worship God unhindered. We'll be like Him. That's the inheritance forever. And I love it because Paul's a primary sort of way of describing the day that we all get to see God face to face. He calls it the day. I love that, the day. Uh, it's like, uh, he's like, the, we have hope in the day. And for, for most of us in this room, it's going to be a good day. For, for, for some of us that haven't come to faith in Christ, the day is not going to be a great day. There's some people in the room, I've trusted a size uh, a size room this, this large, as many people as we have here. There are people that haven't come to, to faith in Jesus. And, um, and gosh, we want to encourage you to do that because you want that day to be good. 
Because one day we'll all stand before God. Everybody in this room, we're all going to stand before God. That's inescapable. We will stand before God. And for us, it's going to be a great joy that are in faith. It's going to be a great joy because he's going to give us the reward of our faithfulness, of our faithfulness in real life, of our faithfulness with our family, of our faithfulness in our job, of our faithfulness with all the things that God's called us to do. We'll receive the divine inheritance and it'll be a good day. And so your work ought to remind you every day that you're not working for the paycheck. You are working for something bigger. You're working for forever, for the reward that happens inevitably one day. And and, and so in that way, reminding yourself of that reminds you that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. There's something bigger. There's something greater. I'm working for that day, the day. Does anybody feel that today? Are you excited uh, to be in Christ such that the things that you're doing now actually pay, pay dividends forever? Point number four, work because God is your actual master. Work because God is your actual master. So Paul, I, I, I love it. Paul says in verse 22, he makes very clear this distinction. Slaves and all things obey those who are masters over you on earth. But know this, that might be a reality here, but your actual master is God. And so he makes it clear at the end of verse 24. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Oh, you're not. So so you thought that you were checking in with the board or Pastor Brad. That that might be somebody over you. But ultimately, you in your life, in your everyday, are answering to God. He's your actual master. And he's a good master. He's fair and just and lovely. And he's a joy of a boss. That's your master. And so we work remembering that. Even chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, listen, slave masters know this. You have a master. Even your master on earth has a master. We are all answering to God. And he's our ultimate master, and that's a joy. And so we have this sort of attention I want to encourage you. And the tension is that we as believers don't check our faith in a box by the door when we go to work, when we, that's not what we're doing. We're not checking our faith in. But there are certainly times when uh, we're not coming into work and sharing the gospel, you're going to get fired. And you have a responsibility uh, to not get fired and to support your family. But so you don't have to do that. All you have to do is do honorable work as unto the Lord. And that honors God. And that honors God. All you have to do is is trust that your work is honorable and do it in the fear of the Lord. Do that. And God will be blessed. God will be honored. And so I would say this every week, by way of closing, every week we have the, the privilege of reciting these words. Our Father... 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I love this passage because um, we're reminded of this. Thy kingdom come. We're praying something very specifically. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which is a way of saying this. Note it. God, you have a kingdom. And in that kingdom, in heaven, everything that you want to accomplish is accomplished every time perfectly. His will, God's will, is accomplished perfectly in heaven. And what we're praying, and, 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 and I think that if you have this heartbeat, you'll do godly work. We're praying, God, let your kingdom come in the same way that it operates in heaven. Let it operate that way on earth in my life, such that in my relationships, in my family, in my family, this is my prayer for my family. God knows that everything that happens in my family happens in a way that's consistent with God's kingdom so that we would live no differently in my home, in those walls, than I, than I would if we were in heaven. I'm inviting God and his kingdom to rule and reign in my life with my wife in the way that we operate, in the way that we live. It's God's kingdom that's working. And so I'm expanding the kingdom of God with my wife. I'm expanding the kingdom of God in that the way that I'm living in my home honors God in everything so that God's kingdom is there. That's what we're living for. And that's the way we walk into work. God, your kingdom come. The way that you want me to operate today, let it glorify you. Let it be your kingdom that comes such that there's a touch of the kingdom of God in my job in a way that honors you. And in that way, I'm expanding the kingdom of God. And I'm doing it at work. I'm doing it in my home. I'm doing it with my spouse. I trust today that that's your heartbeat. When we, when we recite this, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that you're praying something deep. You're, you're saying, God, whatever happens in my life, let there be no inconsistency between it and the way you actually want your kingdom to work. And if you do that, God's going to honor your work day to day. And so this morning, four things that help the kingdom of God to come in your work. Work not as man-pleasers, but God-fears. Work with all of your heart. Work because you have a heavenly reward and work remembering that God is your actual master. I trust that God will give you not just ears to hear, but a heart to respond to all that God has. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.